Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. Make sure your brand and your business is ready for the trillion-dollar e-commerce market. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, can help you achieve bite-sized wins or upsized achievements faster than ever. Whether you are looking to reduce maintenance costs for legacy systems or put the power of AI to work for you quickly, Commerce Tools is your partner for commerce success. Go to commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's February 19th, 2024, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Shopify reports Q4 2023 earnings. Target has a new strategy, become Tarmu. Walmart may be looking to buy TV maker Vizio. Celebrating the fifth anniversary of RMW Commerce. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisition, and IPOs. But first in our shopping cart full of news. Shopify reports Q4 2023 earnings. On the plus side, GMB is up, revenue is up, gross margin is up, and subscription pricing was just expanded for plus, and Europe and POS are huge growth drivers. EMEA is lower gross margin than U.S. merchant solutions, which is kind of a problem they need to fix soon. Shop Cash Campaigns is a new customer acquisition platform. It's only redeemed on the Shop app. For now, this remains a closed opportunity. Expect them to try to drive shop cash into other major channels from an acceptance point of view, but there might be limited success due to Trojan horse vibes, but they need to try still. In Q4 2023, Shopify achieved revenue growth of 24% or 30% X logistics. GMV was up 23%. The attach rate or the ratio of revenue to GMV was down to 2.85% in the fourth quarter due to GMV mix. Merchant Solutions, or the biggest part of Shopify's revenue, now 76% of revenue, was up 21%. And this is due to GMB growth and Shopify payments penetration. Shopify gross payments volume is now 60% of GMB. Subscription Solutions is up 31%. Merchant growth and standard price increases are to blame. MRR is up 35% to $149 million. Shopify Plus is now 31% of MRR, down from 33% due to price changes in 2023. And I expect this to normalize more in 2024 and 2025. Gross margins has improved 7.6% year over year to 49.5% due to the sale of the logistics business. Gross profit dollars grew 33%. Operating income margin of 13% and free cash flow margins of 21% compared to 5% a year ago. They expanded free cash flow margin percentage four times on a year-over-year basis. That's great progress. From a fiscal year 2023 point of view, revenue is up 26% to $7.06 billion. GMV is up around 20% to $239.5 billion. Attach rate is at 3%, which is 150 basis points better than last year, mostly due to savings and not margin expansion. For a Q1 2024 outlook, Revenue growth is in the low 20s year-over-year, adjusted to mid-high 20s if you exclude logistics. Gross margin will be up 150 basis points quarter-over-quarter due to the impact of outsized Q4 GMV. 
In terms of the good, bad, and the otherwise from the quarter, sales and marketing expenses were at 15% of revenue, which is not what a typical enterprise SaaS player looks like at all. This gives Shopify room to expand its enterprise go-to-market here. Shopify is still attacking across all segments. Its main enemy is still itself, which is a nice place to be. Shopify still needs to figure out its AWS and advertising play, borrowing some terms from Amazon. How do they expand margin significantly at the same time while they're growing? Only then will they be considered not just in the growth category, but a breakout. The company is still experimenting with shop cash campaigns and advertising, but it's still early days. As far as negatives, what can Shopify do to expand its EMEA merchant solutions gross margin? The problem is this number will continue to get bigger. Simply reselling payment solutions has its limits as you expand internationally due to fragmentation. There's a $1.3 billion impairment from the logistics sale in 2023. And they just donated another $260 million to Flexport. I wonder if they can write that off to charity. Other observations. Shopify was asked on the call who they plan to take the most share from in enterprise software in 2024. Harley, of course, he had to dodge the question. But let me answer it. It's Salesforce Commerce Cloud, and the second player is not close. Shopify Plus monthly recurring revenue was 31% of total MRR, declining from 34% last year due to pricing adjustments. Recent Plus pricing updates will reverse this trend in 2024. Another tidbit I took away is that 14% of Shopify's GMV is cross-border. And finally, I know you are waiting for my quarterly WTF, and it's really simple this time. Mr. Beast is not an enterprise brand. It's a person. Our second story. Target has a new strategy. Become Tarmu. It seems like the company is a day late and a dollar short with its new deal-worthy house brand. Target last week announced a new house brand for $1 to $10 items called Deal Worthy. This new offering achieves a trifecta of nonsense. First, it doesn't address the root problem of cost to serve combined with assortment. For the past two years, Target has been trying to recover its inventory footing when it had the wrong assortment and not enough of it. Sure, it's cheaper to ship from your stores, but your assortment is so low that it doesn't matter. Teaming with centralized inventory in China and a broad, constantly refreshing assortment Subsidized, of course, by the Chinese government, and if you believe the reports, slave labor, poor wage practices, bad supplier practices, etc. Dollar stores in the U.S. have many cheap stores sparsely staffed with lower-wage employees. Still, Target does not address the cost-to-serve problem. Second, this new deal-worthy brand cheapens the overall Target brand. Target has long been known for upscale value. In the launch of this brand, it is trying to indicate that you get quality, but you don't sacrifice a low price. This kind of thinking is nonsensical and the consumer knows otherwise. Anyone who buys something for a dollar knows that if it doesn't work out, you just toss it. And not only is this just not a very sustainable policy, it doesn't raise the profile of your brand even if you stand behind it. What exactly are you standing for and why? Three, the new return policies are ridiculous. In a world where returns can kill your bottom line and many brands are saying, just keep it, Target has announced a year-long return policies on these $1 deal-worthy items. You can't even blink at these items from a reverse logistics point of view without spending at least $20. In short, it's hard to see this as anything other than a permanent doorbuster type play. However, in it, Target has made the ultimate Faustian bargain. Here's a bit of my soul and you give me back a bit of traffic, at least for a little bit of time. As Andy Jassy said on recent Amazon's earnings calls, Cost to serve must be addressed in a serious way to offer lower ASP items. With this copycat move, 
Target has signaled that its lifer management team is fresh out of ideas. Perhaps it's time for new blood at Target. The Cornell Mulligan playbook has run its course, and it's been a great run. This new Tarmu is not going to save them. Our third story. Walmart may be looking to buy TV maker Vizio. News from the Wall Street Journal last week said that Walmart is in talks to buy the TV manufacturer Vizio. It would be a start, but the retailer would need to solve the app problem to challenge Amazon or Google in a serious way in the ads business. The positives from this deal, Vizio does give Walmart access to a TV set itself, an operating system, an asset they don't have currently. Essentially, this allows them to put ads on the homepage of your TV. From a negative point of view, this doesn't solve the content problem. What happens when you click into an app? Walmart loses the advantage, though it will have some understanding of targeting data, but it would have the surface area to display ads within those apps. Unless it either produces the content itself or buys or invests in the apps. Amazon has spent years getting ahead of Walmart in the content business and has a number of properties including IMDB, Twitch, Freebie, and Amazon Prime. Google, for its part, has YouTube and YouTube TV. These are monster properties where users are actually spending their time and they have Google TV operating systems on many TVs as well. Speaking of content, the best content is the most expensive, studio-produced or live sports like the NFL. Amazon is again ahead of Walmart here. Google's YouTube took over DirecTV's NFL license. Amazon is snapping up deals for exclusive sports broadcast rights. They still need to try, though. Despite all this, Walmart has needed a streaming strategy to power the next generation of its advertising growth. Ever since they jettisoned the failed voodoo experiment, they have a large app-sized hole in their plan. For now, Walmart Connect's advertising growth will continue without issue. It's more, what happens five years out? And if advertisers have better media ad buying options with other players, Walmart's share of wallet could start to hit a ceiling. And our last story, celebrating the fifth anniversary of RMW Commerce. I wanted to thank everyone who reads and listens to what I write on LinkedIn, as well as this podcast, YouTube, etc. Thank you. When I started the business five years ago, it was just about marketing all the things that I put out here. And if I knew the business was going to work, it would take time to find my voice and that I would need to find sustainable ways to generate new business other than networking and referrals. So thank you for everyone who has helped me get to this point. I never expected it to produce as many relationship benefits as it has. The community of people who I work with and speak with each day is amazing. I always love meeting new people and learning what they're great at. Which leads me to my call for help. The good news is there's always projects that are looking for good people. If you are already independent and wouldn't mind collaborating on a project, and there are at least several of you right now I'm working with actively on projects, or if you're between jobs or later in your career, perhaps some interesting consulting projects could be fun. If you're interested in potentially collaborating ever on a 2024 project, please reach out and send me a direct message on LinkedIn. These projects have tended to look like this, primarily for the middle market and enterprise. First, transforming and modernizing direct-to-consumer, B2B, or marketplace-based businesses. The variety of work is part of the fun. The work is high-level and strategic. We work with management teams, boards of directors, and heads of digital. We're not growth hackers or managing your media spend. That's for agencies, though we will keep an eye on your agencies if they make sense for you. Second, we also help B2B SaaS companies with strategy. There are a lot of software companies out there, but many need help launching a new product, moving up market, or growing faster. I've spent most of my career in software, go-to-market strategy, positioning, 
thought leadership are all natural strengths. And finally, media collaboration. If you have expertise to share, we would love to hear from you. As you may have seen, we have started to do more video events and have launched our own YouTube presence. We always need guests and interesting people that may not have otherwise had the opportunity to tell their story. Now you can. If any of this sounds like it's fun to be a part of and you have time for side projects, whatever the reasons, I'd love to hear from you. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform neared the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve customers. By switching to Commerce Tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out new features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you're being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, tell them to start a free trial at commercetools.com today. Commerce Tools is thrilled to announce its first ever live event, Elevate, the Global Commerce Summit in Miami Beach, Florida, April 16th to 18th, 2024. This is a -a one-of-a-kind global meeting place for business leaders and technical professionals across brands, verticals, and regions. By day, you'll engage with a power-packed agenda, including stories from brands like PetSmart, Peloton, Ticketmaster, Ulta Beauty, and Zorro that have adopted a modern approach to commerce, thought leaders debating the future of the industry, and hands-on developer training tracks for both individuals and teams. By night, attend an opening party on the white sands of Miami Beach and an exclusive Havana Nights celebration. Tickets are on sale now at elevate.commercetools.com. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, Context Logic to sell Wish to Q10 for $173 million. Context Logic plans to sell Wish to Q10 for $173 million, monetizing $2.7 billion in net operating losses, and will be staying public under a new ticker. Is Wish a cautionary tale for Timu and Sheehan, or just poor execution? What happens when the money runs out? Second, AI.Fashion raises $3.6 million in seed funding. AI.Fashion, a company specializing in virtual photo shoots, advanced design, and image customization software, has secured $3.6 million in seed funding. AI.Fashion helps models and brands, and this is definitely the way the market is going. We won't do fashion shoots the same way in the next 10 years as the last 10 years, thanks to AI. Third, open-source headless commerce builder Sailor closes $8 million round. Sailor, an open-source headless e-commerce platform, has secured an $8 million seed extension round, demonstrating the growing popularity of open-source software in the e-commerce sector. Open source and headless in one place. Buzzword bingo. Fourth, private shopping club Long Story Short launches. Long Story Short has launched a private luxury member shopping club and app charging members $1,000 monthly to access a curated selection of luxury goods. Ugh, paging rue guilt. And finally, Salesforce acquired automated commission management platform Spiff. Salesforce has acquired Spiff, an automated commission platform for sales teams for an undisclosed amount, continuing its strategy of purchasing companies in its ecosystem and bringing them in-house. 
And today's final word of the week for February 19, 2024 is zero, as in extra zeros. Did you happen to catch what happened during Lyft's earnings call? The company stock jumped and then fell after automated trading algorithms and analysts found an extra zero next to its reports of margin expansion. It seems surprised that the street was 500 basis points of margin expansion, but instead the real number was 50 basis points. Quite a difference. I guess it does tell you what Wall Street values right now. Upside margin surprises. Explains what happened to Shopify stock last week in the other direction. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez, production manager, Gabrielle Montague. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.